use a study that we began a few weeks ago on just walking through the Bible. And we have walked through the book of Genesis. We are now walking through the book of Exodus. And uh, as we look at our lesson, there will be some walking involved. But um, as we look at our lesson for tonight, we are picking up where we left off last week with Moses and how he is called by God to return to Egypt. And I believe that we had left off somewhere around where he is getting ready to leave. I don't think we had gotten as far as him leaving just yet. But God has called him. He's offered excuses. And we're, we're about ready to begin looking at the ten plagues. But just to go back a little bit and just kind of catch you up for those that weren't here last week. We'll pick up with Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. And here we learn of Moses' flight to Midian and why he was in Midian in the first place and not in Egypt with his brethren. But in Exodus chapter 2, and begin, beginning with verse 11. Exodus 2 and verse 11. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way, and when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting, and he said to one who did the wrong, Why are you striking your companion? Then he said, Who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared. And said, Surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. As we look at what we're reading here in Exodus chapter 2, we find the reason that Moses had gone to Midian. He had committed a great sin. He had murdered someone. And his sin was known. And not only was it known, but even Pharaoh sought his life. So we find him living in Midian with his wife and two sons when God calls him to lead Israel out of their bondage. Now only one son is mentioned before his encounter with the burning bush. But there are two that are mentioned as leaving with him in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 21. So either they had a child in the midst of all of this, or maybe the child just hadn't been mentioned up to that point. Uh, but certainly we see evidence that he had two sons when he left. But in Exodus chapter 3, and beginning with verse 1, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1, uh, somewhere around 40 years has passed between this time. There was, uh, Moses was 40 when he went into Midian. And it was 40 years from that point before God called him to Egypt. And when he calls him to go to Egypt, the Pharaoh that had lived had died. And so the Pharaoh that, that existed did not know who Moses was. But in Exodus chapter 3, in verse 1, we read this. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert. 
and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst, from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. You well know that if we see a fire today, it's consuming something. So that this fire was not consuming the bush was something of God. Verse 3, Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. I want you to listen closely to what is said in verses 7 and following. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land to a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Parasites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. In the next few verses, we read that Moses expresses his doubts about leading Israel. Who am I to to lead this great people? Who will I say you are? I'm slow of speech. I'm not qualified to do this. But God assured Moses that he was well qualified. That he could and that he would lead the people. God wasn't going to trust this responsibility to his brother Aaron. And he wasn't going to trust this responsibility to anyone else for that matter. But he was entrusting Moses with the leadership of his people. And as we look through the book of Exodus and and even into the next few, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, when we look at how Moses led the people, when we look at the patience, the compassion, the love with which he, he led them, we see that Moses was well qualified for the job. God was right all along. And by faith, Moses putting his trust in God He will lead God's people as God has promised. In Exodus chapter 4 and beginning with verse 18, Moses here seeks the blessing of his father-in-law. Exodus 4 beginning with verse 18, 
So Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. Now the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go return to Egypt, for all the men who sought your life are dead. And Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand. But I will harden his heart, so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel, my son, my firstborn, so I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed I will kill your son, your firstborn. Whenever Moses comes to Pharaoh, Pharaoh is making the choice that he is going to harden his heart. Don't be confused by the wording. God is not forcing Pharaoh to make the decision that he makes. But Pharaoh is deciding this on his own based on his knowledge of God, based on his knowledge of the people, and based on his own arrogance. He is going to refuse to let them leave Egypt. We see in beginning with verse 28 the reaction of Israel to Moses' return. So Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel and Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did the signs in the sight of the people. So the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction, then they bowed their heads and, and worshipped. They bowed their heads and they worshipped. I want you to remember, going back to chapter 3, when the Lord said that he saw the people... He had seen the oppression of his people in Egypt. He heard their cries. God had not forgotten his people. They thought that he had forgotten them, but God did not forget. And it's a good reminder for us too that sometimes we think God may have forgotten us. We may think that he is slow keep his promises as is expressed in 2nd Peter but God has a plan God knows what he's doing and when he looks upon his people he does so with love and compassion and as he is able to deliver Israel he is able to deliver us from the trials that we often face In chapter 5 of Exodus, Moses and Aaron 
have their first meeting with Pharaoh. Exodus 5 and verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us, Please let us go three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest He fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. So the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people, and their officers, saying, You shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves, and, and you shall lay on them the quota of bricks which they made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on the men, that they may labor in it, and let them not regard false words. Not surprisingly, Israel isn't too happy with Moses because of their harder work. And in verse 21, they said to them, Let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, to put a sword in their hands to kill us. And in reaction to Israel's complaint, Moses carries it to the Lord. As he often did, he, he knew where to take the problems that he was facing. And this was a problem. This was something beyond him. And so what does he do? He takes it to the Lord. And he receives assurance from God. Reassurance instead. Verse 22 of Exodus 5. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. And the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will let them go. And with a strong hand he will drive them out of, the, out of his land. He would. He did. You may remember from growing up in Bible school the stories of the plagues, the stories of the Red Sea, and, and these follow Moses' appearance before Pharaoh. There were ten plagues, ten plagues that came from God upon the Egyptians. Ten plagues that were used as signs to not only Egypt, but also to Israel too. That God was in control. That God would keep His promise that He would lead His people out of bondage. 
We see the, the first of the signs in Exodus 7 and beginning with verse 8. Exodus 7 and verse 8. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you saying, Show a miracle for yourselves. Then you shall say to Aaron, Take your rod and cast it before Pharaoh and let it become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and they did so just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants and it became a serpent. But Pharaoh, verse 11, also called the wise men and the sorcerers. So the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. For every man threw down his rod and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods and Pharaoh's heart grew hard and he did not heed them as the Lord had said. The Lord had told them, Pharaoh's not going to, to listen. Not at first. He will later, but he's going to harden his heart. They were to be aware of that fact. I cannot tell you how these wise men and sorcerers were able to duplicate what Moses and Aaron were able to do by the power of God. And maybe they didn't duplicate it at all. Maybe it was uh, more so just, as it says here, because of their enchantments. Slide of hand. Almost as we have magic today. But even so, it should have been a sign to Pharaoh when Aaron's rod swallowed up the others. But yet he hardened his heart. And thus we have the beginning of the plagues. I'm not going to read through all of the plagues, but I will make a couple of important points as we list them. Plague number one is found in Genesis or Exodus chapter 7, verses 14 through 25, where the waters are turned to blood. They're not able to drink the waters because they're turned to blood. Plague number two is that of the frogs in chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. We have three signs here. First you have the sign of the rod into the serpent. And then we have plague number one, the waters that were turned to blood. And plague number two, the production of the frogs everywhere, all over the land. And up to this point, each of the plagues and each of these signs was somehow reproduced by the magicians, by their enchantments, by their sleight of hand, by their sorceries. But we're going to find that as we move forward with these plagues, they're not always able to reproduce these. And there's a time where even they recognize the power of God. Plague number three is that of the lice. Chapter 8, verses 16 through 19. And in verses 18 and 19, Exodus 8, verses 18 and 19, it says this, Now the magicians so worked with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice on man and beast. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, 
This is the finger of God. And you would think that Pharaoh at this point, seeing that his magicians, his sorcerers, they couldn't reproduce this plague. They couldn't make it happen as Moses and Aaron were able. And they realized that this is the finger of God. You would think that he would realize this was the finger of God. But it says that Pharaoh's heart grew hard and he did not heed them just as the Lord had said. Pharaoh was very prideful, very arrogant in his own mind. And he refused to let God's people go. Even after three plagues. Plague number four is that of the flies. Verses 20 through 32. Plague number five is that of the diseased livestock. Chapter 9 verses 1 through 7. Plague number six is that of the boils. Chapter 9, verses 8 through 12. Plague number 7, the hail. Plague number 8, the locusts. Chapter 10, verses 1 through 20. The hail was found in chapter 9, 13 through 35. Plague number 9 was that of darkness. Not just darkness, but have you ever been in a dark closet? Where there is no light. You, you can see no light from the outside coming in. Not even under the door. That's the kind of darkness that they were experiencing. A, a kind of deep darkness. That is very troubling. Where you almost lose your senses in it. That kind of darkness. Plagued the Egyptians. And following each of the plagues we read something to the effect of what is said in Exodus 10 and verse 27, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let them go. Can you imagine going through these plagues and still Pharaoh refused to let Israel go. He refused to acknowledge the power of God. But God doesn't forsake his promise. To deliver his people. Exodus 11 beginning with verse 1. And the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out, out of here altogether. Speak now in the hearing of the people. And let every man ask from his neighbor and every woman from her neighbor articles of silver and articles of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt. In the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of, pe of the people. Just apparently not in the sight of Pharaoh. We read that the Passover is instituted in which blood would be placed on the doorframe of the Israelites' houses and when the blood was seen, the plague of death would pass them by. Pick up reading in chapter 12 of Exodus and verse 21. Then Moses called for the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the, and the two doorposts 
with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of, the, of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. Verse 28, And the children of Israel went away and did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. Passover was observed as God commanded His people until Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper just before His death on the cross. They continued to partake of this Passover as a remembrance of God's deliverance of His people. Plague number 10 is found in verses 29 and 30 of Exodus 12, the death of the firstborn, just as God had previously promised. Following the plagues, we read that God delivers His people. He remembers their affliction. He remembers their sufferings. And He delivers them from their bondage. We begin reading in verse 31 of Exodus 12. Then He called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Also take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. And the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, We shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides children. A mixed multitude went up with them also, and flocks and herds, a great deal of livestock. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they had brought out of Egypt. For it was not leavened, because they were driven out of Egypt and could not wait. Nor had they prepared provisions for themselves. Now the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years on that very same day. It came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night of solemn observance to the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord. A solemn observance for all the children of Israel throughout their generation. And as we pick up with Exodus chapter 14, we read of the Red Sea crossing. Exodus 14 and verse 1. 
Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pi-Hahirath, between Migdal and the sea, opposite Baal-Zephon. You shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. And I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. God had a plan. Even when Pharaoh changed his mind and went after the people, God was still going to deliver them. God was going to have a final victory over the Egyptians for how they had treated his people. Pharaoh did harden his heart once again. But it would be the last time. I want to skip around through some verses in Exodus chapter 14, beginning with verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, so they were afraid. Verse 13, And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Verse 21, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. What did Pharaoh think he was going to do? What did he think he was going to accomplish by going into a sea that God had caused to stand up as walls of water on each side? I would dare say that Pharaoh was blinded by his mission. He was blinded by his hardness of heart. And so they pursued the Israelites but God was with them. And it came to pass in verse 24 in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and He troubled the army of the Egyptians. And He took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with, that, with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth, while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea. 
and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and His servant Moses. One of the things that we find here about God's people is their obedience. They were obedient to God's command. Yes, there were times whenever they wondered if, if this was really going to happen, if they were actually going to be delivered. They questioned Moses and they questioned God. But when they were obedient, God delivered His people. He provided them with victory over their enemies, the Egyptians. Because of God's power and providence, the Israelites were delivered from their bondage after 430 years. I want to close with the words of Exodus 15, the song of Moses, a song of victory. Exodus 15, beginning with verse 1. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider He has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise Him. My Father's God, and I will exalt Him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is His name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned into the Red Sea, or in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. And in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. And with the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The floods stood upright like a heap. The debts congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You in your mercy have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed, the mighty men of Moab. Trembling will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them. By the greatness of your arm, they will be, be as still as a stone till your people pass over, O Lord. 
till the people pass over whom you have purchased. You will bring them in, in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance in the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. For the horses of Pharaoh went with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea. And the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. Israel found victory over their enemies, the Egyptians. And oh, if they had only remembered the glorious praises that they gave God on that day. Before we even get out of the chapter, we find that Israel once again complains against Moses about a lack of water. They'll complain about a lack of food and so forth. We find them wandering in the wilderness for 40 years because they, they are afraid to go into the land of Canaan. Though God had promised it to them. But while they were obedient, God took care of His people. And it's a reminder to us today that while we are obedient, that God will take care of His people. I don't know what sort of trials you may be facing in your life. I don't know what you may be going through, and, and certainly if there's any way that we can help you, please make that known so that we can do so. But I do believe that while we are obedient, that God will deliver us just as He delivered Israel. And even greater, even beyond this life, God will deliver us from the hand of our enemy, the devil. God has promised us a home in heaven with Him. But what is required of us is the same thing that was required of His people Israel. Obedience. Obedience. We are to be obedient and obey, obeying the plan of salvation. Repentance, confession of faith, baptism for the remission of sins. And we are to be obedient in faithfulness. We are to continue to serve God in the way that He has commanded us to. Maybe it is that you've not been obedient or maybe you've turned away from God and maybe you need to come back. But if you do have any need whatsoever... We give you the opportunity to respond. As together we stand and sing the invitation song number 400.